0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. What I want to do this morning is give you um, kind of an update. Um, you guys graciously um, sent me away. Um, knowing or unknowing, for uh, 11 days, and um, so I want to talk. I want to tell you about those 11 days. Um, this scripture that I've attached to it kind of is a, a jumping in place. Mark 135, It comes at the very beginning of Mark, and Jesus goes to pray. Despite being incredibly busy, despite being having all these things and people asking uh, for his attention, he goes away to be able to pray, to get time with his Father, with God. And he does that because prayer is relational and responsive speech, as Eugene Peterson says. It's where we go to answer God. And he goes away to find time, to set aside time, and make that a priority in his life rather than what the crowds and the busyness and everything else of life is constantly asking from him. This is one time that we see this take place, but he does it throughout his ministry and life as well. And so it's important for us to do this, to have time to get away. It's very hard, it's very challenging Uh, but to set time aside, to set space aside, in daily moments and also in larger moments as well, um, is quite important for us to be able to fellowship and deepen our relationship with God through Jesus. An illustration for this I heard uh, was um when I was looking to buy okay snack cup that's what you need um looking to buy uh, a carbon uh, steel knife something that rusts if you have if it comes in contact with acid it can discolor and all of that and the the write-up on them was just wipe your knives and you won't have a problem with it. And you go, he's like, the author of the article was like, well, it takes time to be able to do that, and it's kind of another step in the cooking process and all of that to stop and wipe your knife. And he goes, well, if Bobby Flay can do it on Iron Chef America when he only has an hour to cook five different dishes, you can take 10 seconds to wipe your knife as well. The importance of getting time set aside. Why did I go to Iona? Um, I'm doing a doctorate. I don't know if you know that. I think I talk about it often enough, so probably not a surprise. Um, A doctorate of ministry um, through the Eugene Peterson Center for um, Christian Imagination at Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. Uh, It was a program that I wasn't necessarily looking for. I always thought maybe I would go and do a doctorate eventually. Uh, The first time I looked into doing one, I immediately had nightmares of not having uh, my assignments turned in on time and all of that. And I thought, no, I don't think I'm ready for this. So when this was dropped in my lap, um, God seemed to open a door for it. And I knew immediately what I wanted to study and focus in, considering uh, Eugene Peterson's life of pastoral ministry and what he has emphasized uh, in that, and that was hospitality. Maybe no surprise, but how hospitality is integrated into the pastoral vocation of what we do. Hospitality is a part of, is a a requirement for pastors and elders in the church often looked over and set aside for more things like knowledge and prayerful language and um, running of your household and things like that. But hospitality shows up in every single one of these lists in the New Testament, or it shows up right before it. So it's like, you should be hospitable, and then if you're going to be a leader, you should also be all these other things. Paul does that at the end of Romans. Iona became an important place um, for this uh, doctorate. Uh, It was listed as we, we would be going to Scotland or Orlando, and so I called the director as I was looking at the program, and I said, "Are we going to Orlando or are we going to Scotland? Because one of those places I'm very excited about, and the other place um, I'm just going to have to schedule like a Disney vacation with my family afterwards." Um, and uh, the Iona was important because Eugene Peterson did some pilgrimages there, and he went there to be able to hear God. Um, to find space, to have hospitality, uh, to change his pace, um, and he always took a question with him when he went there. Um, I thought of doing this, um, but I didn't have a question, but God still met me there. Iona is considered one of those places on earth that is a thin place. It is a place where heaven and earth feels tissue thin. Celtic understanding of spirituality is that heaven and earth are actually only about three feet apart from one another. But in these thin places, they come even closer. So the veil is just pulled back even more Iona is one of these places where Jesus' name has been invoked in prayer for centuries and even millennia, about 1,500 years. Um, The leader of our trip, her name was Tracy Balzer, and she had been a professor at uh, John Brown University in Arkansas for a number of years, for about 20-plus years. Um, She wrote uh, this about sacred places and thin places, She said, sacred places, wherever they might be, share this distinction. They are made sacred by sacrificial living and dying, especially when both are expressions of a deeply held faith. And Iona has been one of those places for uh, almost 1,500 years. St. Columba uh, was a monk in Ireland. He converted through the lineage of St. Patrick, uh, coming back and evangelizing Ireland after being a slave there and uh, through a very, there's a few different reasons why he left Ireland. One was through because of the guilt that he held in fighting uh, for the freedom of Ireland and killing some people in that war, and then saying, I, can't, I just can't handle the weight of this anymore, so I have to leave my beloved Ireland. Um, another story is that he uh, either was lent or stole a manuscript and copied it and then gave back the original, but then the owner of the original sued for the copy as well, And he didn't want to give the copy back, so he left. Um, He wanted to get as far away from Ireland as he could, uh, but still be close and not be able to see it. So Iona was the first uh, island in the Hebrides, just off the coast of Scotland, uh, that he went to. That was 563. And it became a place of religious experience and retreat. Many kings, Macbeth is rumored to live there, or to be buried there. Um, They came there as kings of Scotland to be buried, uh, to seek blessing, to kind of have their kingship established as well. Um, After the fact, my mom told me that we apparently have relatives um, that were um, buried on uh, Iona as well, and I said this would have been helpful beforehand, but that's okay, Mom. Thank you so much. (laughs) Anyway, uh, St. Columba said, um, after being there, he said, "Um, Iona of my heart, Iona of my love— Instead of the monks' voices shall be the lowing of cattle. But ere the world shall come to an end, Iona shall be as it was. This is kind of seen as a prophecy that the monks' voices would die out there, and that's kind of what happens because Vikings found this place of religious importance and began sacking it on a pretty regular basis. And after about two years of this in a row, I think it was 18 or eight. 11 and 812 um, on like Christmas Day, um, the monks kind of settled down and said, we're going to move on elsewhere. Um, But it was reestablished after the Vikings knew that this was such a great place to go and live and beautiful. They went back and kind of resettled it a little bit. And in 1200, uh, the Benedictines came and started a new abbey there and a new monastery. And so, um, and really, there there was there were still people there in those 400 years, and they were still living in Christian community there, as well. But they reestablished the monastery, and it became this place of um, sending in the missionary sense of the word as well. Um, The Linsfarne Monastery that's on the other side of Scotland was established because St. Adrian left Iona to go um, and establish that. Um, it kind of again fell out of uh, um, vogue and kind of was falling apart a little bit. And so, in the 20th century, in 1938, uh, there was a Glasgow pastor, Reverend George MacLeod, who decided he wanted to revive the Iona community because it had been such a special place. And so, he rebuilt the abbey there. He reestablished a community, um, and ever since then, there has been there have been has been a Christian community and presence on the Iona um, uh, island. And people, there were tourists there all over uh, all over the place. But really the Church of Scotland was birthed there as well through Iona and through its origination there. And um, that is actually our spiritual heritage as a Presbyterian church. It's where our system of government comes. A lot of our theology has flown through the um, Church of Scotland as well. That's why it was important. Now I want to tell you about what I experienced there. Uh, We went on a pilgrimage, which is going somewhere specifically to learn from the place. And our director um, said, we're going to learn from the island. So come and be ready, be expectant for what God is going to do. teach you on this island through this island um it's about three miles uh, from top to bottom it's about a mile wide so you can really walk it in a pretty good amount of time um it's very accessible to go to the worship there um in the abbey and so the three things that i um Want to share with you that I am still pro- I'm a very slow processor, um, so I'm still kind of going through what some of these things mean uh, for me, especially coming back into the pace of life that we have here. Um, so um, some of these are still bearing themselves out, and we'll see exactly where they go. But hospitality, healing, and hiking, because all- they also have to have H's at the beginning or the same letter at the beginning of the word. So hospitality, the first thing that we did. Um, that night that we arrived, uh, my dad texted when he got the text that uh, I was on the island, was that, uh, where's the golf course? Uh, but that was not the first thing that I did there. Uh, that was one of the last things that I did. But the first thing that we did was we checked into the hotel, and we were just given a ton of care while we were there. They fed us breakfast and dinner. It was sit-down. We spent a lot of time with um, each other, and we were breaking bread together, and it was a really uh, wonderful time. Um, as you walk around the island, people take time just to talk to you. And sometimes you would start talking to someone and they'd have a Scottish accent. But as you talk to them a little bit longer, you would suddenly realize that, no, that's not a Scottish accent. That's a southern accent. And they're from Georgia. And they've been living over here for um, uh, several years now, but they've just picked it up. So, um, But there's this sense of hospitality, the sense of making space. And there was space there. And the worship service that we went to the first night of the abbey, they had a table set up down the middle of this. Now, this is the 1200s, um, the, the abbey that was built in the 1200s um, that they had restored uh, throughout the 20th century. And so it was just crazy beautiful. It was amazing. And they had these tables set down. And um, uh, the leaders of the worship and of the, of the community said, we kind of sat off in the back a little bit. And they said, no, come up. Come sit at the table with us. This isn't like exclusive And then they began to go through this liturgy that involved the, um, uh, that was born out of the road to Emmaus. We sang a song about breaking bread together. We talked about hospitality and the sharing of food and um, wine and beverage, and we shared water together. Um, We broke cookies and shared them with one another and passed them around. And we ate, albeit a small meal. Um, and uh, together, but it was just focused on hospitality. And it made me feel less crazy. It made me feel like what we're doing here at the table is important, to sit down, to have a meal with one another, to break bread with one another, to share not only um, our lives but the life of Christ uh, with one another. And that was just an, a massive gift um to me showing up there at that um at that particular worship service and that particular structure and when they decided to be able to do that um, or in their own liturgy and their own schedule um, we would be reading or praying or singing, and and it would just be like all I could do to hold back my emotions and uh, A few other people in the cohort were like, "Ah, oh, I was just thinking of you the whole time uh, we were we were at that in that worship service and one guy who he 's a pastor in Milwaukee, and he was sitting next to me and after we were roommates on, a, on our time on Iona as well, he was like, uh, "I just wanted to wrap my arm around you and give you a big hug and i 'm like i 'm really glad you didn 't do that because it would have been like ugly ugly." cry mark in the middle of this worship service going on and um, it was really just a wonderful um, reassurance of what we're doing albeit it can be slow it can be lower numbers as well Um, but eating together sharing meals with one another is incredibly important and at the core I believe uh, of who we are as Christians in the life of ministry and in our faith. Was also very healing. Uh, there's a mound outside of the abbey called tor an Abba, which is a mound for the abbot, um, and they believe this is where Columba would go and write and copy manuscripts, and he would sit outside by himself in this little mound there. Um, The Book of Kells is an illuminated manuscript that uh, was birthed on Iona and uh, finished in... Uh, in Dublin, I believe, or it was taken there because the Vikings kept sacking and they wanted to make sure that it was preserved. Um, but this legacy of um, illuminated manuscripts and the copying of Scripture was done there in Iona's own writing. Mandy was one of our, is one of our professors um, that's with us. She's a pastor in, in Australia and she's at a, um, a, a smaller church uh, and she's thinking of what it means to be a writer. And so while we we, beforehand, she kind of asked, could you guys um, commission me as a writer? Um, And she's written some books already, and they're incredible um, about the life of pastoring um, and how it can be actually a really good thing. Um, in this in this world, and so we prayed for her, and then we went over to this mound and went up there and prayed for her uh, again, um, and it was really wonderful. And I felt God um, through the whole time, kind of going like, "Let's let's have a talk about writing." Um, so in seminary, I blogged as um, probably mistakenly um, did uh, in the aughts of uh, two thousand, and. Um, I got some pretty negative reactions to things that I wrote. Um, I was still pretty immature. I was pretty blunt on some things that I wrote. I was hurt and wrote out of that hurt as well. Um, And so I just stopped blogging after that. Um, Didn't want to really bear myself in that way um, and give myself over to people having reactions uh, in that sense and not being willing to have a conversation over something that I had written. Um, and being misunderstood. And I've written since then, and I feel like a part of this program is God calling me into doing more writing, um, very focused uh, with it. Um, At one point, at the beginning of my time, um, the first thing that I turned in, my um, advisor came back and said, "Uh, um, your writing's really beautiful. And that was like, like... what I wanted to hear, um, and something that I'd always longed to be able to hear. Not that my writing was incendiary, not that it was thought-provoking, but I want to produce something that's beautiful, um, for people, for this world, um, and just for my, my own sense. And so Sunday morning, the last day that we were there, I went up to the mound, as I thought God was asking me to do, and I took my little notebook and pen, and was up there, and, um, was praying, and, um i was like you know god i would i would love to be able to be used and and write and have time for that and all of those things and he was like all right cool sit down and write i was like you know it's really windy um it's it rained a lot yesterday and the ground's still kind of wet he's like yeah i know sit down and write i was like you know what but when i'm writing it's going to be really challenging and difficult because the wind's going to blow the paper around and it's just this isn't quite all right uh later he's like yeah, and sit down and write now, too. So after this kind of back and forth, I was like, all right, fine, and sat down and and journaled and prayed, and it just had this renewed sense of calling to be able to uh, write and use uh, words in a beautiful way that glorify God um, and very healing in that sense as well, and I was very grateful for that. The third thing is hiking, and this is really about pace. We've talked about pace before. Um, Iona is one of those places that um, just allows space and time to function on a different, uh, um, a different level. Um, Tracy wrote, uh, sacred places like Iona offer the one thing that we cannot grasp in our hyperproductive culture, unstructured time. And so we were able to walk around. I did quite a bit of walking that Sunday, that last day that we were there. Um, I walked uh, 15 miles on this three-mile-by-one-mile island, going down to uh, the Bay of Columba, um, where he supposedly landed at first, walking the golf course a little bit, um, walking up and down the island, um, praying and finding um, kind of a living pace Surprisingly, I had I had to like run back. I wanted to. It was like the last. It was the one really super nice day, and I wanted to fit all the things in that I hadn't done yet. And somehow I was able to do all of them through going and getting um, like golfing a few holes, going down to the bay, uh, getting some uh, final souvenirs for the kiddos to bring back, uh, and fishing. Even was able to do that um, during that uh, time. There are standing crosses. And and then I come back here and it's like I have to run errands and I'm driving 60 miles an hour um, down the freeway um, nearly 200 times faster than my pace and walking on Iona. Um, It's just a much more living pace to be able to be at. Um, There is room to be able to pray Um, as you're walking, you walk by all these old standing crosses that have been there for millennia at this point. Some were broken and they were in the museum, Um, so sometimes you just see kind of a a pedestal with a hole in it where these massive stone crosses had been. Um, And every time I would walk by those, uh, I would just say the Lord's Prayer uh, to remind me of the proximity of God in our lives and how His kingdom could come and bear in uh, our lives. And in that, what I uh, would like to do is continue to cultivate the pastoral relationships um, that we have. But here in this room, with the people in this neighborhood, um, with those around us, finding proximity uh, to those people who are near, who are within walking distance. Um, And that's incredibly, as I found out this week, countercultural to how my life usually runs Um, It is usually much more full and paced out, um, not paced out. It is running hard uh, through the week. Uh, But what I would like to be able to do is do less so that I can do more or so that I can be more, uh, be around more, uh, be present more, have space, spend time with you guys more um, than what uh, I do. And so hiking and pace and walking and prayer and proximity are those things that I would like to cultivate um, here as well. Returning is a, uh, um, a re-entry process that is incredibly challenging for me. Um, I have a, was that, a five-letter word spelled out here, um, and it is just return from things is incredibly challenging. Finding a new rhythm and a new structure to life um, can be incredibly hard. Um, but I want to remember um, what Iona was and what Iona could be like, and what it would look like for us to be able to cultivate thin places here at the table and here in Denver, and for us to be able to find those as well. One of the um, when uh, when I either when I had just returned or when um, I was leaving, Evelyn was like, are you going to bring back souvenirs, or did you bring back souvenirs? And I brought back a T-shirt and a, um, a puffin uh, stuff. We just went and saw puffins. They're amazing little birds. Um, and uh, uh, a book as well for the kids. Um, they were most interested in the rocks that I brought back, though. Um, so we have some jars of rocks over there. Uh, one is from Montana from last year, the trip that I took then, and also from Iona to be able to remember that. Um, But they also have a pottery um, place on the island. And I've been looking for a baptismal bowl that had some meaning to it. And we used one for Teddy a couple weeks ago, and that was a gift. But this, I feel like, is much more um, uh, characteristic of who we are and what we're trying to do here at the table. And so when I went into the pottery, I, I wasn't sure what I was looking for. But, and there's still a little water in this. Hold on. Pour it into my coffee. There we go. Um, So I found this, and I just thought it was just absolutely beautiful to be able to use um, for a baptismal bowl. Um, One of the traditions of, um, in many churches, is not just to have this full of water and out on the table during um, our baptismal services and when we celebrate that sacrament, but also to have it out so that when we come into the space, we dip our fingers in the water and we either do a sign of a cross on our head or just kind of touch it as well, but to be able to remember our baptism. Many of us in this room were probably, um, or some of us I know were baptized when we were um, still infants um, or when we were very young, Um, and don't fully remember all the moments of that. So this is a way for us to go back and to remember our baptism, our identity of being caught up in the life of the triune God and how Jesus has called us into that life so that our lives aren't defined by uh, our job, by our family, all very, very good things, but that our lives almost... um, uh, our lives are defined by who we are in the community of God rather than all of these other things. So again, this is to be able to uh, recreate thin places for us um, at the table. And I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm super grateful uh, to be able to be um, um, to be called your pastor Um and uh, to be have insights and have um, some vision into uh, what God is doing in your lives. Um, it's a true joy and an honor to see that and to be um, a witness to that and so i'm I'm very grateful for that um, and I want to invite you guys into this um, relationship into this um, rhythm of life and a new pace and healing and hospitality that has been offered um, to us and is offered to us. And so I hope um, in sharing this that it, it, is, it, it ignites a hunger, that ignites um, a desire in you uh, to be able to um, uh, find thin places in your lives uh, where the veil of heaven and earth feels tissue-thin to be able to enter deep into a relationship with um, Jesus and with the Father, to be able to uh, go away and pray and cultivate that relationship and have eyes to see and ears to hear what God wants to do in your lives as well. It might look similar to mine and what he's done, but it might look totally different. And that is the beauty of how God calls us together as a church. Again, I'm grateful to be a part of that and that you guys are a part of this. So thank you. Let's pray. Father, we, um, I am grateful uh, for this place, this table, um, that you call us deep into relationship with you. I'm thankful for um, how you weave lives together and how you um, create uh, a community of people who long to see you working in this place. And so often we don't take time away uh, to be able to pray, to be able to cultivate our relationship with you, to do the things that you have called us to. Sometimes they're easy, sometimes they're hard, sometimes we're just, we feel way too busy. And so, Lord, we pray that you would um, that you would nourish our lives as you use the rain to nourish the earth, that you would bring up springs of life out of us, and that that would be um, overflowing into the lives of those around us. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.